I have with me here one, should I say very good friend, yeah. um, a friend of mine. Actually, I met him through a friend mm-hmm. and I heard him speak for the first time. And I was like, okay, this man is really eloquent <laughs> and he's, he, he sums up to be one of the people I really want to speak <laughs> like one day in future. <laughs> and uh, I spoke to um, Ike, Pastor Ike, yeah. and I was like, I really need to be his friend. He's like, don't worry, I'll connect you. And here we are now. I'm with Apostle Joseph. <laughs> Kwejo Yeboa. Kwejo Yeboa. <laughs> now, I'm with the Apostle. Uh, I know him, but I want him to introduce himself to us. And then after he tell us when Ayota is coming up. <laughs> okay. It's it's good. It's great to be to be sitting with you, Honorable TK. <laughs> yeah, so you too right there. And um, um even before I say who I am, I, I must say I admire your your humility. I mean to to see somebody and openly express admiration in itself is a, is another rank of maturity and it's applaudable and i'm glad to be connected to somebody like you and right so my name is joseph kwajoyabua some call me j kwajoyabu and then that's what my children are comfortable with j kwajoyabu <laughs> so that's my my children call me j kwajoyabu <laughs> and then and then i'm known in the in the very familiar and um more like a cordial um, ministry circles as the iota apostle so iota is i-o-t-a job 32 7 says i said they should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom and then the verse 8 says but there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the almighty giveth them understanding so um years ago I I was led to this this chapter reading reading and then the Holy Spirit um gave me sustained focus on inspiration of the Almighty and um honestly one of the reasons why I believe I responded to the stressed focus on inspiration of the Almighty is that when we were young, um, as a family, my dad is a pastor, this is Reverend Nathan Kwesiabua. I call him the most noble. <laughs> so the most noble Kwesiabua. And, um, um, you know, family setting. So he will be there. My mom, Paulina, will be there. And then we'll do a family devotion. And then when, when, he will finish, we will ask questions and um, his answers usually fascinated me to the point I could applaud or laugh, you know, for long. And so one of the times I asked him and then he said, it's inspiration, it's wisdom, inspiration is wisdom. So I had grown up loving that word for whatever it was because I, I mean, the word inspiration He's one of the people that made me, um, you know, get glued to it. He says it's inspirational. And then I mean, more, you know, relatable language. You just say it's wisdom, the spirit of wisdom. So I had that at the back of my mind. And so growing up, this word is there because, um, I like how my dad will answer questions or communicate your know, spiritual truth that we didn't get earlier. And then when you beckon, he can break it down into assimilable, I mean, doses and then 
give it to you right there. So I admired it. So reading Job 32 and then getting to eight, I look at that thing. I'm like inspiration of the almighty. Oh, and then I was, I think I was in the fast by then. So the Holy Ghost just kept stressing it. And then the, the acronym, you know, came out in you know, the first letters of that, that sentence, inspiration of the almighty, that, that phrase, if you want to, and so IOTA crystallized, came out and I'm like, oh, I think this thing feels like a mandate, you know, obviously after, you know, protracted meditation, and then it came out. So inspiration of the almighty is IOTA, I-O-T-A. And then IOTA itself is, is a word. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the, the more like the atomic breakdown of any reality. That so the inspiration that is able to give like atomic simplicity to matters. Uh-huh. So breaking things down uh, to the more, more like the microscopic uh-huh, constituents or so the simplest form. So I realized, oh, it's adding up to, to everything. And um, it, gave, it gave finality to my thoughts um, that the spirit was putting upon my heart. And then I knew it would be a mandate. So IOTA is IOTA, inspiration of the almighty. Yes. And for you to say that IOTA is um, breaking words down into mm. his simplest form, mm. I've actually, as I said, I've actually listened to you speak right. a number of times. And I believe you are able to easily digest <laughs> that. Because um, after the first day I heard you speak, actually, right. Daddy called you to come and give a 10 minute speech. And um, for a second or two, right. I saw you trying to gather your thoughts. <laughs> and when you just hit go, that was it. I was like, ah, who's this guy? <laughs> I was at the back trying to sort certain things out. And I heard you speaking, speaking, I was like, who is that? <laughs> I drew closer and I was like, okay, okay. And the funny thing is, you didn't quote a, uh, any scripture mm-hmm. or anything. <laughs> yeah. But then, well, almost every sentence you made yeah. was picked from the scripture, right. paraphrased right. in your own way. Right. And after that, I met you again at a full gospel mm-hmm. meeting, and uh, we had a short discussion. We right. spoke for a while. Then I came home. I came to tell my wife about yeah. it. And he was like, oh, well, it looks like you like this guy. I don't know, have you seen his messages on YouTube or anything? I was like, no, let me start looking. <laughs> and I searched and searched. Right. I actually didn't find anything because I was looking yeah, yeah, for yeah. Apostle Joseph. Could you have yeah, I wasn't yeah, finding it. Yeah, yeah. And two or three days later, a video of yours popped up. Mm. And it was, um, I think, your, your session on fatherhood. Okay. Where you were speaking from uh, where Samuel met Saul. Right. Yeah, it was just yeah. about 30 minutes. Okay, getting okay. to the question now. That's the question. You see, weeping on the mommy and that. Listen to me, then I want more. <laughs> and listen, listening to how you explained everything, mm-hmm. I trust me, that wouldn't be the first uh, Bible scripture I'll go for. Wow, if I'm asked to speak about okay. fatherhood, okay, I'm asked to okay. break those yeah, things down. Yeah, yeah, so I was. It caught my interest. Right. Then I remember that, ah, I've seen Reverend Easton do a similar thing mm-hmm. where he was talking about the anointing. Okay. And he went to Job. Oh, right. I think chapter 28 or chapter 29, right. where he spoke about butter on the feet mm-hmm. and how he sat mm-hmm. at the gate. Mm-hmm. And, and 28. Yes, 28. And I'm like, ah, 
this is similar to what I see Reverend needs okay. to do sometimes. Okay. He picks very strange scriptures. Right. But then the way he simplifies and explains it will just blow your mind. Mm. And you do just that. And then um, just coming from yesterday and today, the yeah. ministers and wicked yeah. summit, yeah. how you just, <laughs> wow. So tell me, how, how, <laughs> how did you come about all this uh, mass of, let me say, wisdom mm -hmm. or mass of knowledge that um, there are very few people or there are very few men of God who will actually stand on the podium after saying their prayers, delve into the word of God without going back to their notes mm. more than five, ten times mm. before they end. But then I see you and I see other few people, you just kick as if you have chewed a thing into your head, Baba, <laughs> and you are just moving and running at it. Yeah. How, how, how do you do it? Or how did you come to that place? Because I know that for us to know how you do it, you yeah. have to know where it started from. Exactly. So how did you start doing all this? Yeah, I, I think that there are many sides to this. Um, I would honestly have to admit that I believe like the Bible says, every man has his proper gift. So um, it, it will be very sound for me to say on authority that I believe no matter how much I'm able to explain how I do it, there is a fundamental spiritual endowment. I, I, I believe there's a part of me that is speci uh, specifically gifted uh -huh, to come this far. But then I will always start with the blessing of an example, a father. Um, for whatever dimension of inspiration my dad commanded as a, as a man of God, or as, a, as, a, as someone who would stand in front of people and talk, um, he admires my level of inspiration. I over admire him. I thought he was the best preacher in the world. And when he's done, nobody should have audacity to say anything after him. So growing up, I'm seeing him always, um, talking to people. And my dad had regimental, um, um, example from his uncle, the one who actually took care of him because my dad never saw his father. So the one who took care of him and played the fatherly, um, fatherly role was a military man. Okay. Uh -huh. So military educationist. So from both sides, there's regimental discipline. So my dad is the prim proper, um, get it right, consistent, uh -huh. So he brought that discipline and was studious in his quest as a minister. So he's the type that will bow his head down into the concordance and lift it only when he is devoured every material. So growing up, this is the example. And I'm fascinated, you know, so I'm sure he has his dimension of inspiration. But then there is this beautifully crafted um delivery mechanisms that is that i believe owes to some forms of discipline so he does it consistently and then once a while i'll ask him ah, so this question you know as a young boy you think you have a very difficult question for your father and then you throw it to him and you're like and then he just laughs and then you know he would just clap through his hands in the air oh joe pa. then he would start and then he would just <laughs> dismantle my whole <laughs> onslaught. And so it's fascination, it's admiration. And then the good thing is I asked, 
what's the secret? And like I, 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 I said, sometimes he'll be teaching in church and when he finishes, he's like, oh, does anybody have any question? And I thought that was dangerous because if somebody asked you a question and you didn't have the answer, it was embarrassing. So every time when he finishes teaching, I'm set on edge. I don't want anybody to ask my father any very difficult question. He doesn't know the answer so that daddy will be embarrassed. And the, you know, you're home. But then he's never afraid. So one day I asked him, I'm like, but I mean, why would you commit yourself and he and then he laughed oh joe you know there's there's um the spirit of wisdom that comes and gives you what to say in the spell of the moment and i'm like you don't mean it and you see i think that because i was asking it in the in the seasons of innocence whatever he said was the answer i swallowed it so if he said there was something like wisdom that can make you impregnable to embarrassment owing to you not being able to answer a question. Of course, then I want this, yeah. <laughs> this thing because security against embarrassment. So in my guileless candor as a child, if this is it, we're swallowing it. So I'm like, how do you get it? Oh, wisdom is a spirit. So it doesn't come by learning. You ask for God, for it from God. So growing up for me, when they say lift up your voice in prayer, AJ wisdom, AJ wisdom, AJ <laughs> wisdom. Uh huh. And then I asked my father a number of times, and then he kept insisting the thing it is wisdom. Then he said, Ah, when God came to Solomon and said, Ask what you want, Solomon asked for wisdom. But who told Solomon to ask? for wisdom. And then he said, come and see, it's here. Because I was my father's child and my, my mother's only beloved and they taught me and this is that. So you see, Solomon asked for wisdom because his parents told him that wisdom is the principal thing. So anytime, if you want to ask for something, ask for wisdom. It's scriptural to any Australia issues. Ajay wisdom. Ajay wisdom. Ajay wisdom. So for the greater part of my innocence, even into maturity, I grew up to realize that statistically I've prayed asking for the spirit of wisdom more than anything. More than anything. So I don't know whether the wisdom has come or not, but me, I'm wisdom, Lord. Wisdom, Lord. And then there's this season I realized that if anybody asks me anything and I answer, they're like, they come back and how ah, you solved my issue. And I'm like me. And they're like, yeah. And then I'll do my things. And somebody will say, ah, but how did you arrive at this? And I'm like, ah, but it's the only thing that's occurring to me. And they're like, oh, we went to do it like this. Ah, three weeks. In here, yeah, bro. Yeah. And then I'm like, but why would that occur to you? Because yeah. this will not occur to me at all. So the first thing that occurs to me is the last thing that occurs to many people. And I'm like, no. So later in matured musings, I realized that ah, the wisdom might have come. <laughs> you know, so it set me apart. And that's how I began to respond to it. So then obviously the rest is when you're matured, you know, you learn, like Daniel says, I understood by the books. And so my father had a couple of books on his, on his shelf, on his, in his library, because he, he's voracious and he's very disciplined with reading. So the books he devoured were the books I devoured. And the favorite among them was um, Aiden Wilson Toza, um, A.W. Toza. He, I mean, my dad had a lot of his, his books and I felt the man had a way with words. Again, I admired his command and 
I realized that, you know, the vocabulary was capturing my thoughts. And I'm like, oh, this is a beautiful style. So number one, I have my father's very tailored example. And he's, he's also very good, you know, with expressions, oratory. He does very well. Whether he sees that as an, as an art or there's the responsibility as a minister, I can't tell, but he has it. So with that and then Toza's combination and then other people, yeah, it's fine. And then I grew up in matured inspiration to know that, scripture plays on words. Yeah. Uh -huh. So then I'm like, oh, okay. So if you study well and you realize that um, the rabbinic insight into scripture, those who have a command over the language, you realize that they are play on words with 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 the the original um, uh -huh, the, the original text there's a there's a play on where like the bible says um that it may be um, if that it came to that it may be fulfilled as it was written he shall be called a nazarene but there's nowhere in the old testament that is written that jesus will be called a nazarene uh-huh but then there was um there's a there's a word that was like a play of words, the righteous branch, like the Netzer. So the Netzer against Nazareth is a play on words. So the Netzerine, righteous branch against Nazareth, Nazarene. So even in scripture, you grow up um, maturely to realize, oh, even scripture plays on words. So that's when I realized that language can become a tool, uh -huh, but it is to the dictates of inspiration. So you don't use the language to try and create a new truth, but you can use truth and then express it, you know, linguistically in very, you know, fine forms. And I realized that, well, I feel that it's been a part of me. And so let me, let me grow it if I can, but I'm always mindful because truth is superior to vocabulary. So, so I make sure that I'm talking, but it's scripture. I may play with words, but concept you know conceptually um it's scripture nothing else and that's just a little bit of uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow that's 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 one of, yeah but i also remember growing up my my dad will go to work mm -hmm. as soon as he's coming back the first thing he brings is not toffee chocolate yeah my book <laughs> he'll be like oh, Roger. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> and he says tomorrow i'm going to work mm. especially this vacation right and read from chapter this to chapter. Uh -huh. When I come back, you're going to tell me that story. <laughs> but to make sure you write it in your oh. exercise book. Oh, right. But what is this man doing? <laughs> I have games to play. I have cartoon effects to watch. Uh, I did not again read a book as well. And write it and write it. <laughs> and when he comes, he doesn't, he just looks at the book, reads the back. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. the summary of everything. All right. So to a point, I was like, okay, why does my father always read the back, back first? Then he says, go ahead and tell me the story. Yeah. So I realized oh, that the rest carries yeah, 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 and then yeah. the introduction also carries yeah. a bit of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I picked up, I read the back. <laughs> I read the introduction. I'm done. <laughs> I didn't guess it. I didn't guess it. <laughs> I, I had caught on that yeah. knowledge. They're like, okay, read chapter three. Mm. But yeah. he started giving yeah. me the yeah. to yeah. read in the yeah. yeah. But I but of all I I think and I've come to realize that um having time or spending time to read mm -hmm. and to study is mm -hmm. one key thing yeah. that most people 
lack in these days. And also, you mentioned my keyword, muse. Mm. <laughs> this, this is actually, actually the music series. series. Oh, 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 great, 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 great. great, great series. Series. <laughs> <laughs> I'm someone who, I would say I'm an overthinker. Mm. So I, I, I remember when I came up with the word, I wrote on my bio that accountants by day, overthinker by night. <laughs> okay. Because I will look at my figures and everything, but on my way back home, right. my mind is roaming all over the place. Okay. Because I heard someone say this, or I read in the scripture about mm. this, and I'm like, okay, why don't I start writing? So I started okay. writing, and that was it. Mm. So that means that you're also someone who meditates a lot, mm. who thinks into everything. Okay, so if, um, let's say, this camera sitting here, right. if it's positioned this way, why can't it be the other way or yeah. this other way? Yeah. Why did he connects the cable this way. Yeah. Why can't it be that way? Mm. I believe, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, when I was growing up, one one thing that um, I, I can't say irritated or upset, those would be two strong words, but I found it very hard, mm. obliging to, that's what they normally do. And I'm like, who are they? It's, <laughs> I, my wife, um, uh, my wife now, my my fiance. Then, anytime we say, "Oh, that's what is normally done," so and then I'm my a... next thing is, "By who?" I didn't understand why somebody's experience should be law yeah. to me. Yeah, they normally say, and then I'm like, "Who gave them the power to normalize what they say?" Yeah, and uh, oh. And then I'm always like, oh, but we can do this thing like this. And then they're like, oh, there'll be, if you read the manual, I'm like, (laughs) we read the manual so we can appreciate how far the inventor thought he didn't put a barrier there. So let's go <laughs> the barrier. Um, I grew up to realize that everybody has their more like default orientation, but just like you're saying, critical musings, sustained ponderings, protracted thinking, um, incessant analysis mm-hmm. options. Mm-hmm. You are not comfortable with just one way. No, mm-hmm. it, it can't be one. Yeah. Seven ways of killing a cat plus one mm-hmm. is better, you yeah. know, you know. <laughs> so that's that's it. And then because of that, um, you want to try many things. Yeah. So from this to that, to this, to that, to this, to that, doing a, a whole lot of things. And then later you come back to realize that Oh, it's a strength. Mm-hmm. But when you are gifted in that dimension, mm-hmm. um, there are other places you are weak. So you mm-hmm. have to be looking for the complementing, uh-huh, you know, attributes of your 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 strengths. Mm-hmm. But basically, exactly like you're saying, um, I read a book. That's a sentence that ah, this is a fine sentence. And so because of that, I have to be able to craft five different versions of that sentence there and then. So that's how I read. Yeah. You, make, you make a statement, um, one, ah, that's a fine one. How does this man think like this? I pause the reading, I take my jaw tab, bam. So I always have a full reel of A4 sheet on my, mm. my, my desk because wow. I want to be writing always. Mm. It's one of the things that immediately I run short, get me paper. <laughs> so I'm reading, you make a brilliant statement. Yeah. Oh, sh- 
pause. Take my step. So this thing, play with it. Yeah. I need five times to to work this thing. Let just let it be a part of me. So ah, yeah. uh, da da So people think I'm very versatile, but they don't know that I learn from them more than they learn from me. Yeah. That's one thing about me. But then, just like you're saying. <laughs> so that's it and so the picture you have is is, is correct ah, very right <laughs> great 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 so what, one other thing i want to ask um i know you've mentioned one or two of your principles you've lived by mm. that i know prayer is one right reading extensively yeah and meditating also yeah but um what what else what are your principles that you live by? Because I've known you for less than a year. Right. And um, looking at how I've seen you so far, hmm. I can, um, I wouldn't want to say predict, but hmm. then I can assume to uh, know one or two things that hmm. you might be doing hmm. or hmm. one or two qualities of who you are. Yeah. That is making you be who you are. Right. Like, what, what what are some of your principles? Yeah, okay, so it's fine. Um, if you help another man to set up, mm-hmm. no setup can make you upset. Okay. That's one of the rules I live with. Mm. So if I help you to set up and somebody sets me up, the person can't make me upset. Okay. okay. So I'm always living to raise giants. It's something is default. Everything I have mastered, I mastered because I saw somebody who was so, so, so on, uh, um, how do I say, so, so, so helpless. Mm -hmm. And I decided I'm the one going to teach Mm -hmm. this guy. So I'm a better speaker because I decided to teach somebody who can't even make one sentence when you put them on stage. Mm -hmm. That's the secret of of my life. Um, What I did yesterday and today, is one of my secrets. If I know I'm going to teach people, mm-hmm. I love it. It's my strength. So before I will go somewhere for somebody to say, I'm that's fine. It's applauded. I'm always with like David with the vagabonds, Adulam yeah. kind of the cave yeah. mentality. Yeah. So I train the crude to the point that nobody can be rude to them oh. that that's my mind I, I mean so oratory i'm a master because i've tried to say intelligent things to the slowest minds mm-hmm. and so i've turned it around turned it around turned yeah. it around turned yeah. it around i'm a better musician because i took it upon myself to make pseudo professionals out of tone deaf people mm. so you will hear the door like 1000 times and then one day 1000 and one time you will get it you as get a door uh-huh. so that's been my secret and i realize it works a lot so i'm there's always somebody around me and if i tell you this is what i intend to make out of this person you'll be like are you serious and where did i learn that from mm. jesus comes from divinity into humanity he wants to take the whole world and he takes unlearned fishermen and yeah. he forms a caucus and if somebody looks at your choice and you ask what management principles did you come with <laughs> i mean if you want if you want to take the world you take fishermen yeah. and then you take zealots zealots are people who are like Radical. orid- radicals coolmongers yeah. and the sons of thunder boanerges yeah. james and john yeah. people who can ask for permission 
to to beat a whole city because they won't allow us they to pass. Yeah. So you can be sure these are rascals, and then you get a thief as an apostle for three and a half years. And so you are looking at Jesus' selection of his super caucus to yeah. take the world, yeah. and it's ridiculous. Yeah. But then I realized that in three and a half years, mm -hmm. he does something to them, and they take the world without question. And I'm like, I think this is this is a good thing. So yeah. I took it as a secret. Get the most ridiculous, the most written of it because it was the same thing david had to go through yeah. the giborim yeah, were right. first vagabonds yeah. and yet these were men who could do the unthinkable. unthinkable so i took it as a personal discipline that you know what everything i'm a master in i will accord mastery to myself mm -hmm. only if i've been able to use it to sharpen the most uh, you know on um unrelatable personality Person, with yeah. my uh-huh okay. so I'm an orator. Let me get the one who was who was shake at even my name is. Uh huh. So when I began dating, uh, my wife was then my fiance. She had a very introverted personality. If according her story was, if she was in class and the teacher came and asked a question and nobody knew the answer, she knew the answer. The courage to say, I know it. There's no way she would. The wait. teacher would take cane, <laughs> cane everybody, and she would take the cane and still sit down and not be able to say she knows it. <laughs> so go to again and again, say, oh, to lift up my hand and say, I know it. Never. Never. To feel different, never. never. No. But today, exact opposite. Because I said, I ah, know you, you need to, whatever. My sisters, whoever has been close to me, brothers, anybody who has come close into my circles, of course, nobody's perfect. Yeah. So I can't say I have a hundred percent success yeah. rate with yeah. this, but that's one of my secrets. So you are a master of it only if you have been able to empower the least in relation to that art, that art. then you are a master. So that's number one. The other thing is that, um, I, I don't, I challenge myself mm -hmm. with people who have been consistently great. That's, that's it. And um, um, I don't compare myself because of course that's not correct, but I challenge myself, people who have been consistent. So I'm watching my dad and I realized that you can go for 10 years and not miss church more than two times. More than two times. You can go 15 years and never throw tantrums in public. And so these things fascinate me. So the blessedness of consistency, okay. protracted you, you, you know, discipline, discipline, that, that yeah. consistency. Yeah. So I'm looking, somebody says, I've done this thing for 10 years. I need to know. Yeah. I mean, even if I don't have audacity to ask the person, find out for me. Do you know this person? When did you first meet this person? I want to know the secret of consistency. Because yeah. I realized that transient applause is very, very injurious. Yeah. Yeah, if I do well today and they call me next week and I don't do well, it will be an injury. So yeah. the secret of consistency. And I believe that this is the greatest game changer, mm. you know, uh, on, on, on my life. So I've done a whole lot of things, but I'm in a chapter that I am, I am getting more from consistency. So a little consistently over time is better than elaborate once a while. Huh. So if it is consistent, but in little doses over time, Sorry. it gives you greater 
results than being elaborate yeah. once a while. Yeah. So I'd rather pray 30 minutes every blessed day yeah. than to do erratic six hour marathons. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. So I, I would want to do that. Yeah. So seeing all the ranks in ups and downs. So now I began to um, submit every discipline in spirituality to this newfound principle. Mm. So I started with um, a Bible reading plan. I do 10 chapters a day. And it's from a Baptist professor called Grant Horner. So I follow through that thing and you read, 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 read. And you get to a point where anybody is talking and you're like, it's Peter who said this. Yeah. Uh, somebody's talking and this has to be in Acts, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it's not total assimilation, but it's reading yeah. because a little consistent over time is better than elaborate once a while. Once a while. I will not be erratic and one day just take the Bible and do 10 chapters and then go not reading for a while. So I did it for a time and then I realized that, yeah, this is helping me. Then I'm like, so what's the next thing? Now I, I elevated it, consistent discipline. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go higher and I look for another Bible reading plan. And the latest one I'm doing is reading the Bible cover to cover every month. So you have to do an average of 40 chapters every day. Every day. And wow. so as I'm sitting here, I've done about 17. Before 12, I have to kill the rest. Consistent. Before you go, <laughs> before you go to the next thing, let me ask. I know you're a family man. Right. You have um, two kids. Three. Three. Yes. Well, bless God. <laughs> so how are you able to blend your wife, wife's like attention. Yeah. <laughs> Chantelino, I've been. Chantelino, yeah. <laughs> I'm able to blend the attention to the wife, yes. to the kids, helping them with their assignments and all yeah. that yeah. Um, church stuff. Right. And then reading the chapters of the Bible every yeah. day yeah. before you go to bed. Yeah. Then that said, how many um, hours of sleep do, do you want I to have? maintain for hours? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you balance all Yeah, this? exactly. That's very great. Beginning, I did very abysmally mm. when I started married. When I when we got married, I was young mm. and I'd seen my father's ministry go through a lot of, you know, shakings yeah. and yeah. disappointments. And so growing up, this is your father. This is what he stands for. And all the years I'm like, I want to see my father's ministry blossom and um, a lot of people coming to church, a good auditorium. I want to see daddy saying, ah, Eureka, finally I got it, I arrived. Yeah. But then, you know, some way, somehow in God's own wisdom, at every point there will be some challenge, either there will be a breakaway or something will happen, mm -hmm. we have to start. Mm -hmm. And there's a recoil. So when I came onto ministry, I'm like under oath, this thing for work, for work. if for work. So unintentionally, I was sacrificing everything because of this thing for work. So it wasn't wisdom bridling me. It was concern and um, the, fear. the fear of, um, um, you know, failure yeah. and all that. So there are many things I did sincerely that had good spiritual undertones, but there were excesses. So I lock myself up in the room and speak in tongues for eight hours. I'll do a whole lot of things. I run every schedule you can think about when it comes to spirituality. I normally don't talk about it because <laughs> I don't like doing that, but call whatever insane schedule prayer, hours in prayer. Most likely I've done it. How 24 hours, 26 hours, 32 hours, but just name it. Sit down, speak in tongues. I'm talking digital precision. The watch is on, bam. We're speaking, yeah. we're going 14 hours, 
no stop. We'll do that over 17 days, no stop. That's that's the kind of, so I'm like, I told my wife, I love you, nothing will change it. Then I left the door. <laughs> I was just being sincere, but the wisdom was not correct. Yeah. And then the first pregnancy came. I'll go to church, minister, prophesy, do a whole lot of things, and then do counseling, come home after midnight. So the ladies are I'm alone at home, and then a whole lot of things. My sister's home has been long. I, I sat with my mom long, but then this thing has to work all. And then my wife had the first child. And um, unknown to me, she was on the tip of postpartum depression. Yeah. Because every time I was away, and so she had to be always bottling emotions. Because when I come back, You're tired, exactly. I'm tired. And then I was concerned, but then I felt that the little time I had with her for me should be joyful. But I didn't know we had to get time to address her fear so she could come out of, mm. uh -huh, yeah. you know, the injuries of yeah. the loneliness. Yeah. So I would come suggesting some nice thing, whatever, and then she would have to play along. So I thought we were, I was doing well, but then over time I realized that no, yeah. the, the thing is not clicking. So it was one time I'm like, what is it that's not working? And that's when she opened up to me that, you know, when I was pregnant the first time, there were times you were away and I felt like, and I'm like, but why didn't you tell me? I was you, oh, but I knew you had to go. I'm like, no. So from there, I took a note. Like, no, this is not correct. I was being sincere, but the wisdom was not complete. Mm. And I told myself, mm. I'm not going to commit this error. So the second pregnancy, I was there. So I knew when to close and go home. Then I went to the labor ward. And I saw things I didn't have to see. And I'm like, is this what they call childbirth? Did you black out? Almost. But by grace, we prevailed. Amen. <laughs> the third one, I had suffered fatigue mm -hmm. and I had recovered not long. Mm. So, you know, my emotions were not too yeah. stable. So I went to the, <laughs> the labor ward. Mm -hmm. When the episode started at the peak, I was quaking more than the woman giving birth. <laughs> and then I told the people, let me pray around. Otherwise, by the time she's done, I was also be on the <laughs> I was literally quaking. That was when I realized now oh, this time my strength was not yeah. up. So I had to just exit. And then I was strolling somewhere, trying to calm myself. I couldn't even pray. And then the text came that she had delivered. I said, oh, that's Father, we thank you. So I had a previous experience of knowing what it is like to fail with a family. And if you are sincere, mm -hmm. you cannot applaud yourself for making somebody go through torture yeah. in the name of trying to please God. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't work. Unless you don't want to be sincere with God's work. Mm -hmm. So I sat down and I said, listen, I am not going to embark on any spiritual protocol for supposed higher growth until I have sat at the table and churned my timetable through until I know the best to fit with this and with that and with that. Good. So then how do I get it? Involve the woman. What does it take to do the homework? How many hours do you take? Hey, the whole thing. Okay, so now what will we do? You tell what will we do? And then she was okay, you can do this, you can do this. But if you talk to your son like this, normally he will pick it up sharp like this. Okay, so, so the day I don't do it, eh, 
what will happen? Then you say, but you know, it will have a lot of toll on me. And then I have to cook. Okay, so then the day I will not be there. If I give you plenty of money, can you cook and let it cover this? <laughs> you know? So you see, now I'm in the lead, but the instruments of leading are with them. Yeah. So I'm always getting feedback. Can you tell me what time do you think um, will be will be fine? So I actually sat at my desk and I realized that if I'm able to dedicate the first hour when I open my eyes, I I have a, a head start in the day. And then I told my wife, now, you know, our schedules were running now, so we would talk and do everything during the day. But when we're going to sleep, you have to pardon me because we can't talk a lot unless I'm able to finish setting procedures. So yeah. I have the first hour or two when I wake up and then the last hours or two, the last hour or two when I'm retiring uh, yeah. to bed. So in between is consistent you know, communication with my, my wife. Yeah. And then I tell my wife that for the sake of the children, you have to give me some quiet in the course of the day after we fraternize because I need to kill every schedule before the children return yeah. because now I don't want that they come home and my head is in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So three o'clock is time with the spirit for me. 4 p.m. I'm out of the closet because around that time, hey, and the children are back and I can't say, oh, I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying. No, 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 no. Because what, what the matured adults will hear in my sermon it will pass over my children's head unless I play with them. Yeah. yeah. So I speak God's mind to adults and I play God's mind with my children. 100%. Yeah. So the schedule that I run is a family schedule. So I don't recommend it for any anybody. You sit with your family and get your schedule and it will work. So the whole of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was preaching in Takra. I flew to Accra on, on Friday morning and it came straight to Koforidua. I've talked to them every day. I've done all my sermons and every blessed day I fulfilled the reading schedule because I did, I used January and March to doctor my timetable. I mean, January and February mm -hmm. to doctor the timetable. The time then I started in March. in March. Earlier on, I would say God says, and I'll just leap into it. But this time when God said, I used two months to run the timetable. And I said, okay, when I do this, my my marriage will not suffer. My children won't lose me. And then my the people who owe their proto mentorship to me, yeah, they also will not lose me. And then that's how come I'm, I'm surviving. <laughs> that this this has a great insight right. from the spiritual man and then the father man. Yes. So they're two faced one. I tell you. <laughs> Okay, so um, you mentioned that you do mentor yeah. quite a number of people. Right. How are you able to get them to do what is right? Because I've tried a number of times right. to mentor certain people, both in the workplace and then in church and then out of church. Right. But then uh, you realize that from time to time, you seem to have certain challenges, either yeah. with the feedback or yes. how, what are some of the best ways? Yeah. I know that books I can go pick and read. I've read some of them, but sure. then I know you've read extensive. <laughs> so <laughs> what are some of the best ways to coach people and have the best results? Yeah. <sighs> I try to be as sincere as possible in my closet. Mm. I don't cast pearls before swine. Okay. 
So if you are not swine, you are my pearl. That's how I think. So how do you identify the swine? Jesus, can you show me this boy's heart? Okay. If he's genuine, let me know. Okay. I've prayed for people more than they've prayed for themselves mm. because I want to know them in the spirit. Father, I don't know men. You know the heart of men. If I pour myself into this young man, will he help me? Talk to me. Because if I if I cast spells before swine, mm-hmm. it's my energy. Paul says we have hazarded our lives. Spiritual mentorship is taking breath from you and putting it in another. It's blood, sweat, and bones. Mm. So I go straight. I say, Jesus, you know what it is like when you're walking with the disciples. Three and a half years, the week you were going to die, they didn't even know what you were talking about. Yeah. So you know the pains of taking a zealot and making him an apostle. Uh-huh. You need to help me. Can I call this this guy a son? Then I'll begin to pray. It won't come in the spell of the moment, but I need a word. You have to help me. So I'm very open to everybody, uh-huh. but I don't exhaust myself into what God has not confirmed. Okay. So that's my secret. And if you know this, you don't get tired. Mm. Compassion makes the passion comes to pass. Okay. Compassion makes, makes the, passion the passion come to pass. pass. Right. So when the Lord shows you a genuine heart, mm-hmm. that revelation wells compassion within you. And once compassion comes, passion will come to pass. Mm. So I'm seeing a young man who is rude, disrespectful, whatever, but Jesus says he's an asset. And for me, Jesus says he's fine so I look at this guy and I, I call him and I have a dimension of frankness you can't ignore. If the Christ says you are an asset, I'll call you and tell you, listen, you don't have to interpret it in any dimension of pride, but Jesus has reposed confidence in you and he's told me, I can't lose you. That's number one. More importantly, you can't disappoint the Jesus who told me you'll be great. That's you right. can't. Yeah. Everything I have, I will share with you. If you disregard it, you will pay for it because integrity is a weapon. Yeah. And if you mishandle it, it will injure you. So there's a dimension of candid relations I have with people that the Lord has said are genuine. Once God tells me anything about your heart, if you are stubborn, I'm more stubborn than you. That's how I think. I remember some time back, I had to teach some people to play instruments in church. And I called a certain guy, like, oh, you know, you have to learn how to play the keyboard. I said, I don't have a keyboard. So I want to bring a, a, a cardboard. No, a cardboard. And, and I drew a seven octave keyboard to standard measurement on the cardboard. I said, I said this one we'll be using to learn piano. Yeah, yeah. So why? Jesus says you are genuine. Yeah. Or he says you have an a calling. Or he says that's how it is. So it's one of my strengths. The other side is freely we have received, we freely give. So I know I can't hide what I know. I'm very candid about showing people what I know. And then I go the extra mile when the heavens have confirmed them. Then the other thing is, if I ask you to come 
and you're coming and there's an obstacle, I feel I'm obliged to get the obstacle. I don't sit there and say, remove it because that's not how I work. So I work for my employees. They don't work for me. That's how I think. It's one of the things I show everybody who comes around me in leadership. I own the business. I employ you. What does that mean? It means I work for you. You don't work for me. So every time, number one, I'm accessible to them because if you need me, call me. And then I always let them understand that, listen, it's better to be plain than to be, you know, trickery and get injured. So I don't think I know all. I've read a lot. And I realized that a lot that people say doesn't work. Because if you're not ready to be sacrificial or whatever with them, it doesn't work. And so now if I'm reading anything, I'm looking for elaboration about anybody who has written on the leadership principles of Jesus. So if I'm reading on the internet, reading books now, I'd rather be reading something somebody wrote around how Jesus changed you know, Peter, or how Jesus, you know, so those materials is what I read more mm. into now. And then you get a practical disposition. So um, many other things are very common for people to know. But for me, this is a bit of the unusual that maybe your mind will not have gone to. I've, I've mastered the art of being genuine with, with the Lord and asking him genuinely, can I pour myself into this person or what will it be? Do you think this this person will work? And that's not selfishness. That's actually wisdom because we are not supposed to cast pearls before swine. So the householder, when he realized that the one with the one talent buried it, he didn't say, I'm giving you a second chance. He said, take it and give it to the one that has the five talents. So you don't make talent stay with people who bury it. So I've been able to draw that line. And I think this is one of the secrets. But every time, um, especially if you want men to stand, ah, you have to help them before they realize they need to help themselves. Uh-huh. So that's it. So the guy can't play the keyboard. So I have to go and learn to play the keyboard and then come and sit with him and say, let's play. But when he has three times a week, he's not doing it. Now when doctor my schedule, come to my house, let's rehearse. So there are, so you'll be sitting on the left and I'll be sitting on the right. And if you like, run away. <laughs> yeah. wow. you know, so that's how I... <laughs> yeah. So you, you spoke about pouring out. Mm. Let me ask this question about mantle. Right. Now I've 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 read quite extensively about mantles. Uh, I then I chanced on uh, Robert Laden. Right. Read his books. Uh, watched other videos of his and everything. Then I actually spent time mm. to read into the scriptures to right. see how mantles were transformed, how praying hours were done, and right. everything. And um, I've come to realize that mantles do not drop. Mm. So the person who carries the mantle is dropping dead. Mm. Mm. But then here in this our dispensation, yeah. like this time where someone gets up and say, I have the mantle of this person, yeah. I have the mantle of that. But then the person is walking and still preaching and everything. Yeah, yeah. Is it that we are getting it wrong or we are so um, superficial that because of uh, clouds, 
mm-hmm. chasing. Mm-hmm. We want people to believe or feel yeah. certain, certain things. things. So we just say things. A lot of things, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, so it's, it's one, one of the problems, problems in our dispensation. dispensation. Yeah. Now, like, like I always say, say, truth is superior to vocabulary. So, so if you, you want, want to exhaust spiritual truth, um, there's always a challenge with language. Yeah. So, so Paul says, I knew a man 14 years ago, whether in the flesh or out of the body, I can tell. But such an one caught up into the third heavens. And then as a result, I saw things that it is unlawful for me to speak. So the deeper the spiritual content, the more inadequate the mortal language becomes. So then I always counsel people get to know the practical derivative rather than the vocabulary. Uh-huh. So the place where the word mantle was used, what literally happened? Uh-huh. So you get the practical derivation of what the mantle is and not try to play with words because the way this man plays with words will definitely be different. If it is not antithetical, the synthesis will still have some differences. And so he may explain and say a mantle is to this point. Then another Another man may explain and say the mantle is to this point. But now we are arguing over vocabulary. What is the spiritual reality? Uh-huh. So mantles for some people in its consummate um, dimension is the inheriting of an assignment with its empowerment. So this is it. There is the pool of omnipotence. Power, power that, that makes all things possible, things okay? okay? That's, that's the power, power that, that makes all things possible. possible. So that's, that's omnipotence. So when omnipossibility takes on a specific assignment to specifically bring elevations or break limitations, then, then it's, it's called, called an anointing. anointing. So let me choose my words again. Let's, let's say, with God, all things are possible. So omnipossibility, everything can be done. Now, when omnipossibility or omni, you know, capability, power that can do all things, when that power gets up and says, I am specifically going to heal, then it's called an anointing. So an anointing is a specifying activity of only possibility. You, you, are, you are getting it now. Okay, great. So when the power of God that can do all things decides that I'm going to lift up and literally make you see into the future, then it's called the prophetic anointing. Uh-huh. So the anointing is either to break limitations or sponsor elevation. So it's either destroying yokes or it is lifting men. That's what the anointing does. It's either breaking limitations or sponsoring elevations. Good. Now, when the anointing, so like the healing anointing or the prophetic anointing, when the specific work the power of God is doing, good. when the anointing locates a man, right? And uses a specific means consistently to do that specific work, then it's a mantle. So we're going now. Good. So now, omnipossibility, the pool of the power of God, lifting to 
foretell and foretell night and become a prophetic anointing. So this prophetic anointing is resting on TK. And TK has been specifically sent with a mandate of prophesying, let's say, industry specifics to people mm-hmm. and speaking wisdom as to how they can navigate and become millionaires to sponsor God's kingdom. Yeah. So consistently, the anointing on your life will normally pick the details of people's industry practice, mm-hmm. the businesses they have to open. And it comes without any in, yes inhibition, yeah. like it's a free flow. Yeah. So now it's a mantle. Right. Yeah. So because it's now a specific mandate by the power of God resting on a specific vessel mm-hmm. using a specific means. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So for yours, it may be normally it's a dream. For somebody, normally it's something else. There are people who prophesy not with words. They write. Because their mantle is a it's a scribal kind of uh uh-huh. yeah. so 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 now the only possibility a specific work and assignment by that power now resting on a specific vessel uh-huh. Uh-huh. so there cannot be a mantle until there's a man yeah. there can be an anointing without a man without there can be the power of god without a man okay. but the mantle has to have a man okay because the power will settle on a vessel and that vessel will use a specific method or consistent means to get the results. So Jesus told the woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, the gift and then the vessel, then there's a mantle. Uh Then you said, you will give me drink because now I am the vessel. So now the mantle now has an assignment because all, obviously TK yes. is, 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 is prophetic and he's raising men for the ministry. Yeah. Good. Before you exit this life, it is possible to give the mantle to another mm-hmm. only on the dimension of its potency, but you won't hand over your assignment. assignment. Okay. Good. Okay. Now, when you are exiting, you can decide you know, right. Okay. When you are when you are exiting, you can decide now that Lord, because you don't start anything that you will not sustain, somebody will step in my shoes. So you realize that the mantle when you are exiting, your assignment specifically will be passed on to the one inheriting it. But when you are alive, you will pass on a mantle that will sponsor their assignment. Uh But when you are exiting, you will pass on both the mantle and the assignment. So that's when we have an example of a mantle. Elijah is exiting and Elisha is taking over. Good. So you see the pattern play out exactly. This one resurrected a widow's son. This one resurrected a widow's son. This one, you know, uh, has a miracle with, with the lady. Yeah, the lady um, prophesied. It's there because he inherited the mantle with the mandate. That's it. So some people use the mantle in the sense of the 
the function, the specified means exclusive of the mandate. But then the, the highest dimension or the consummate point is with the mandate. So Jesus breathed on the disciples before he died. Then he breathed on them after he died. Then eventually when he was leaving them, there is what he did for them and told them to go to the upper room. So you understand it from this dimension. It's okay to say I can tap a mantle, but you should know the difference between the one that comes with the specific assignment because for Elisha he inherited the function and the specific assignment because God told him anoint Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Meholah as prophet in your room that means in your stead so for Elisha's inheritance it was with everything that Elijah carried so that those differences are there but people don't exhaust what it is so the mantle is the man and then the tle that's the word of truth the power of love and the ex- expressions of the spirit okay so okay. that's it so so then from what you said that clearly means that we most often um mistake receiving anointings with the consummate mantle uh-huh so the anointings normally when you receive an anointing paul calls it the impartation of gifts yeah it's a gift when you receive a mantle you will you will you will operate in a certain dimension of similarity because you see the mantle rests on a man yeah when it is not on a man it is not a mantle it is an anointing uh-huh. but when you contact a mantle you will most likely have similarities in operations administrations uh-huh and then the dynamics of the spirit it will not be word for word or yeah. boot for boot yeah. but because you inherited it from when it rested on a man there will be some dimension because if it is not on a man it is not a mantle okay yeah it is an anointing that one can settle on on anybody but once it is on a man that's when it becomes a mantle mm-hmm. so when god was going to baptize the 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 70 elders that mm-hmm. moses chose yeah. the bible says he told Moses I will come down then I will take of the spirit that is on, on you and then I will Please. put it on them yeah. so there is a it was imperative that they knew that God was using a conduit where the vessel will not be ignored. It doesn't mean if God doesn't get a man, his power cannot work. Some people stretch it and be like, if a man has not laid hands on you, God will not use you. No, you can't say that. Only that you can admit that the Lord knows how to use mantles or anointings. If he doesn't want to use anybody, Donkeys have prophesied. Yeah. Fishes have heard a prophetic word to go and swallow well, a prophet swallow, yeah. and heard a prophetic word to go and vomit. Yeah. So God can use anything. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Ravens have brought food mm. at a prophetic command. Right. So it tells you that the anointing is potent, whether or not there's a man. Mm. But when it comes to mantles, there's a specific thing about the personalized operation and administration of the spirit with that man as a vessel. Mm. So if you take the mantle, you will see the systems of operation. You will see some systems similarities in the administrations of the spirit the methods the nearness the uh the maneuvers and so that you should know how different it is so even if you call that a mantle you should know that it is not up to inheriting the person's direct authority direct mandate and assignment because that one can only be if there are no more why will god replace a man if he's still here that's it i think a a perfect (laughs) example would be um Catherine Kuhlman. Yes. Benny Hinn. Yes, that's then, a perfect uh, example. And we have uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Mm-hmm. And then and Lester, Lester Samuel. Samuel. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So if you saw whatever um, Catherine Goldman went through, Benny Hinn had to go through. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, whatever. His marriage, marriage, and everything, heart disease. Yeah, all the yeah. things it went for because when you inherit a mantle, the dynamics of operation and administration with the specific vessel. You've really spoken um, a lot. Um, Hyper grace. <laughs> Hyper grace. Hyper grace. It's, it seems to be one of the things that most uh, ministries yeah. are preaching about, speaking yeah. about now. What, what do you say about it? It's, it's terrible. And um, I always tell people, people use the letters of Paul mm -hmm. to preach hyper grace. But they forget that Jesus also wrote letters in Revelation. So I tell them, if you use the letters of Paul to preach hyper grace, the letters of Jesus tell you it is a recipe for hyper disgrace. Okay. Because Jesus writes a letter to the seven churches. Yeah. And he says... Remember from whence thou art fallen mm -hmm. and repent and do thy first work yeah. or else I will remove mm -hmm. thy candlestick from its place except thou repent. Nevertheless, this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds yeah. of the Nicolaitans, which thing I also hate. Mm -hmm. He who has an ear, let, let him hear. hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Yeah. To him that overcometh will I. Now, in the whole of the Bible, in the whole of the Bible, uh -huh. there is nobody that has threatened the church, any church to extinguish the church except Jesus. And it's very ironic that it is the one who died to institute the church, whoever threatened the church that if they don't change, he will remove the candlestick. Can you, can you imagine? Okay. And, you know, so when they are preaching hyper grace, you know that maybe they may have a sincere intention, mm -hmm. but it won't end well. I tell people, if Jesus issues a threat, we have to take it seriously. Yeah. So, throughout the whole Bible, read it cover to cover. Nobody has consistently been able to threaten the church with set audacity. When Jesus was founding the church, he told them, he said, I will build my, my church, church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The one who said he will build of the, his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it is the one who threatened a church and told them, if you don't repent, I will remove your candlestick yeah. from this place. So what do you do? Why do you take one and ignore the other? Oh. He's the same person who said yeah. it. Yeah. So hyper grace is, is, is of completely off. <laughs> Even logically, it doesn't add up. The Bible says, therefore, let us, bo let us come boldly, boldly onto the, the throne, throne of, of grace. grace. So grace is on the throne. Throne is royalty. Mm -hmm. Royalty is not freestyle because yeah. the Bible says the foundations of a throne is judgment and mercy. mercy. So if grace is on a throne, it tells you it is not freestyle. Mm -hmm. Now I ask people, what is grace? It's empowerment. 
it's receiving power from on high. Mm-hmm. Power from on high to do what? what? If there is no standard to meet, why does God empower people? Yeah. For what? Mm-hmm. No. Oh no! It. The Holy Spirit comes as the Spirit of holiness. Mm-hmm. If we say Holy Spirit, why is His name Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit. God is a spirit. Is He not holy? Yeah. Jesus is a spirit. Is Jesus not holy? holy. So God is a Holy Spirit. Jesus is a Holy Spirit. Why does the Holy Spirit have the name the Holy, holy Spirit? Spirit? Why does the third person of the Trinity have the name yeah, holy, holy Spirit? Spirit? Because all of them should be called Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because God is a Spirit and He's holy. Jesus is a Spirit. He's holy. holy. The Holy Spirit is also a Spirit and He's holy. holy. Why does He come as the Holy Spirit? Mm. Because of the work that He's coming to seal. He's coming to empower with a gift so we can be holy as the standard, the standard is. is. Now people say, no, 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 no. Once you recite the sinner's prayer and you are saved, that's it. Forever saved, forever saved. And then you can go, this, they are like, whatever sin you will commit, it has been atoned for and all that. Preach whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Then ask yourself, if there is no standard to meet and there is nothing to lose, why does grace come? For what? Because then if there's nothing to lose, there's no standard. Then they will say, oh, it's because of rewards. But if there's nothing to lose, why create a reward system? Mm -hmm. For what? For what? If nobody has anything to lose, why create a reward system? Because a reward system is an indication that there are losses and there are gains. But you are saying grace is the elimination of the difference between losses and gains. You preach that anything accepted and yet you come back and say rewards Rewards will come. But what is the logic of rewards if there is no difference between loss and gain? It doesn't add up. It doesn't. And I've not even started quoting scripture to to refute <laughs> no because i mean i always say i i i i always say you know what i don't waste my greatest energy mm-hmm. on battles that are not worth it because if you want to know the truth come we talk about it. we've not even started talking yeah. verse for verse no, no, no we've no, not no, no. the thing just doesn't make sense Same. even before we delve into the depths of 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 of, of god's word mm. and and all that it is so jesus is is clear and um you can't so they say oh you know you know what the problem is tk before mm. we go on okay. jesus says i came to save those who were lost yeah and he said, if ye were blind, ye had no sin. Mm-hmm. But now ye say ye see, you see. wherefore your sin remained. Mm-hmm. So this is the real thing about hyper grace. The man that knows his right and is coming to God and say, God, you know, because you came to die and I recited a sinner's prayer, even when I'm humanizing, you know, you can't you do me anything. Because of grace. Yes. That right they know. That's what the Bible says. You say you see. You know, eh? Come that's the real sin so it that that concept is even more dangerous than drinking or womanizing or any form mm, of debauchery mm, that mm. self-professed discovery, discovery of knowing the clause that has tied god's hand yeah. whereby you can almost in parallel to omnipotence decide what sovereign judgment can and cannot do that ascription mm. is the luciferian error that is unpardonable and you will pay for it wow. To have 
decided that by the little scholarly spirit-filled interpretations you have of holy writ mm. you have now understood the systems of righteous judgment to the point that you come to god and you are you are like father you know that because i'm born <laughs> again even this womanizing things if you can't do it you know that you're heavy by all means i will come okay. because jesus has spoken your judgment Mercy. is in your own mouth Mercy. that Mercy. sin is greater than womanizing yeah and that's what jesus said two people went to pray one went and by pharisaic piety said ah, i fast three times a day i pay my tithe mm-hmm. and then the other one went far and said i beat in his chest i'm not even ready to look up yeah. jesus said i tell you of a surety yeah. the one went home pardoned the other went back with his own sins yeah. that grave yeah. thing of knowing the dictates of the heaven so well that you can now argue and say no 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 nobody you say you see wherefore your sin remained one day ever <laughs> one day ever <laughs> <laughs> oh mercy yeah mercy. so um coming away from that what's your take on um you know this old testamental principles yes and then principles in the new testament where yeah. We go like, oh, this is Old Testament. Yeah. So why should we still repeat it? Yeah. Especially when it comes to tithes and offerings, first fruits and yeah. all that. Yeah. But then we want to be taking the communion. Yes. But then we don't want to. So why do we have to? Well, let me put it this way. What are some of the Old Testament principles that are, have been done away with? Yes. And then what are the others that we still have to? carry on now in this dispensation great the old testament is in two forms the ceremonial principles Mm -hmm. then the ritualistic principles okay okay and then the festal principles so um the 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 whole thing about a religious routine for priesthood mm. for atonement mm-hmm. this practice religious routine for atonement then we have feasts that we are celebrating that's supposed to be a shadow of certain things to come mm. and then obviously some one or two things that we do compulsorily so we maintain our identity as having been God's chosen people. Mm-hmm. So th- that's how, this is a summary of what the Old Testament is. So the religious um, rituals mm-hmm. that bring atonement. atonement. An atonement okay. in the sense that how can sin be, be pardoned? Okay. So there were religious activity that were ritualistic mm-hmm. and it was geared specifically towards the pardoning of sin. Okay. That's number one. Okay. So you take blood, you take a bull or whatever you slaughter you put your hands on the head they bring it you say this they sprinkle and then you confess then the sin is atoned for mm-hmm. so the ritualistic activity for atonement in that regard forgiving sin then the next thing is some form of ceremonial you know laws mm-hmm. that were anticipatory of what will happen in the future so they were a message they were like tokens for example in the wilderness when the the israelites complained and they murmured and serpents came to bite them yeah. then the lord told moses take a bronze serpent lift it up anybody that sees the serpent will be healed 
Nobody understood why Moses lifted up a serpent in the Old Testament. But then in the New Testament, Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of God be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him. Oh, okay, so Moses lifted the serpent to deal with serpent bite. Was It was typical. It was a typification of the man who was without sin mm-hmm. will be made sin yeah. to deal with the sting yeah. of sin. Uh-huh. So with the lifting of the the bronze serpent, mm-hmm. for thousands of years, nobody had nobody. the meaning yeah. until Jesus came with the revelation in the New Testament. Yeah. So there were things that were done also, which were festile, mm-hmm. which is anticipatory of eternal matters mm-hmm. that are supposed to unfold. Yeah. And then there were other things that were done to show the love for God and to defend the claim that it is God you worship. Mm. So there were offerings, free will things that you had to do and systems of worship. So if you have a broad understanding of the Old Testament like this, Mm -hmm. what the, the, the New Testament dealt away with fundamentally was the rituals for atonement the means by which sins can be forgiven is what the new testament came to completely replace okay and even with that thing it was not an abolishing mm-hmm. it was a fulfilling okay. because blood was required in the old testament yeah. and yeah. blood was required in the new testament except that this blood lives on so there's no need for replacement tomorrow uh so you realize that the pattern was not abolished it was fulfilled so it's a baton crossing so if you look very well nothing in the old testament has been abolished not even the rituals of atonement have been abolished they have been fulfilled and so now they are playing out but in a one time for all pattern. pattern. So if you have a simplistic abolitioning mindset of the Old Testament, Mm. you will make a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes. Because even with the rituals for atonement, there is no abolishment. There is fulfillment. So the eternal pattern is there. And according to Hebrews, the blood of Jesus is still fresh on the altar talking just as blood had to be incessant on the mercy seat uh-huh. in the old yeah. there is blood That's still right. talking so there is even no abolishing technically then we continue we're looking at the festal dimensions where they are celebrating the feast of tabernacles or yeah. they are celebrating passover or they are celebrating whatever and this is in commemoration of what the Lord has done and in anticipation of what he will do. So if you study eschatology, you realize that all the prophetic end time things that are yet to occur Mm -hmm. have a specific alignment with the Jewish feasts. They all have it. it. Again, there is no abolishing, technically, because they will be consummated in a higher spiritual efficiency. Mm -hmm. So for now, it is not as efficient as it would be in the Old Testament because a higher one has been instituted. So those who use it can just use it as honorable ceremonial responses, but Mm -hmm. it will not have the power to wipe sins because a higher blood is now wiping sins. Then the other one is to show your love for God. Of all the 10 commandments, 
that God gave to Moses that people normally say is the Old Testament. There is not one that is not in the New Testament. Mm. Thou shalt love the Lord your God. Don't use the name of the Lord in vain. Honor the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't murder. Don't covet. Don't commit adultery. Mm -hmm. Which of these is not required in the New Testament? Jesus even (laughs) escalated the thing. Earlier on, you need to sleep with a woman to commit this sin. Now, now, even if you last, earlier on, you need to hit your brother before you kill him. Now, even if you call him a fool, fool, you have killed killed him. him. So essentially, all these things are in the New Testament, only that they've not been written on tables of stone. And now the truth is, you don't need to do this for sins to be cleaned, but you need to do this to work out your salvation and show your love for God because faith without works is dead. So now if you say, I have faith in Jesus, you need to try your own faith by what? By works. And decide to see whether the repentance you you ascribe to is it genuine? Are you really meet? Has the seal of the Holy Spirit come? When you say you are born again, it's a claim that you're making. Can you defend it? When you say I'm born again, uh, because the scripture says, if I call on God, he will answer. But when he answered, did you see it? When he came, did you, did, 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 <laughs> that is it. The document says it, but when it happened, when it did, happened you, you did you see it? They say you don't need to feel it. There's no way that says you don't need to feel it. The spirit buried witness with our spirit. The evidence is not in the book because it is not the book that is going to heaven. Yeah. It is me that is going to heaven. Yeah. How do I get something codified and when it is time to be, you know, defended, you say it's the book that it's must book talk. Happened. Meanwhile, the book is talking about a spiritual reality when the reality comes you can't make it out and yet you are saying it is written but the writing is only for you to expect the reality he told them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit in the upper room did they have a scripture to tell them what will happen when the Holy Spirit came how did they know he had come how did they know that today instead of people being able to watch the Spirit and know whether the born again experience has it happened or not they can't tell and they only flip a page and say chapter this verse this i read this it means it has happened no when the holy spirit was supposed to come as a seal of their conversion was there a scripture they were reading no to see what will come will happen when he came no but the spirit bore witness so immediately the experience came they stepped out adianaba who told them saba when you are made anew you will know you will know it's not just the writing. The writing is guiding the experience. So when the experience comes, you have to bear witness. Yeah. The witness will have to be judged by the works the witness can produce. Yeah. So if you say it has happened, then these works, a man says he loves God more than someone in the Old Testament. The one in the Old Testament had to give God 10%. He's spending all his Christian years debating that he doesn't have to be obliged to give God 10%. And he says he has higher love for God, and, the, and you believe him. So Jesus did something and he gave a parable. So there were two people. One had many sins. Yeah. And there was another one who had small sins mm-hmm. and they were all forgiven. Then he posed the divine rhetoric. Which of these two do you think will love the master more? Master more. Then they rightly said, oh, the one who was forgiven many sins. They say, okay, thou hast said rightly. It means when the Lord does many things for you, he expects many love, many love from, <laughs> you. from you. 
if the Old Testament rendition is inferior to the New Testament rendition, if the Lord has been able to, by the ministry of bulls and goats, institute 10%, then by the ministry of the lamb without blemish, what should be the percentage? You say, oh, we are, there is no no quotation, no problem. It is not written in stone. It is in a parable. And that parable, Jesus said it. Mm -hmm. So now express greater love. What is it? And they are like, oh, no, 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 no. And you know the funny thing about the New Testament? They always say, as for New Testament giving, it is free will. Whatever a man has purposed in his heart, let let him give. That's New Testament. And they forget the preamble of the New Testament. He who sows sparingly, Shall reap. will reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall, shall reap bountifully. bountifully. If indeed everything was supposed to be as a man has purposed, why this clause? Why this clause? Why this clause? I thought that by that, even if you give sparingly, you should get bountifully yeah. because it's free will. Yeah. So if I decide to be sowing small, small seeds, I'm supposed to be entitled to huge things because it's New Testament. Yeah. But then there's a Clause somewhere that says, even though you are allowed to give free will, eh? mm-hmm. if your free will is small, you will get small. small. But why didn't free will give me entitlement to more mm-hmm. when I so small? small. Yeah. I didn't. It goes on to mean that if you have free will, use it to freely practice the standard, not to bring it down. Yeah. Because yeah. if you bring it down, <laughs> <laughs> so it means look for God's standards and freely fall in love with it and do it. Yeah. Don't use free will to diminish God's standard. God cannot be degraded. Man can only be upgraded. And that is the wonder of redemption. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is so. the wonder of redemption. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's this question that um, I was asked, right. I think just last week or so. We were in the office and uh, I was reading a book. Right. Then I just paused and I asked them a question. Hmm. And the question was, the Bible always speaks about the right hand of God. Hmm. The right hand of God. Yeah. What about the left hand of God? Yeah. <laughs> I, I told him that in fact I've not seen <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yet. yeah. I've not heard any man of God speak about it. Right. <laughs> so maybe if they can help me. Out. And like, hey, we the boss anymore. So would you mind it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, told, I I promised them yeah, I yeah, yeah. to speak to my scholarly friend. <laughs> and, and that person is you. And <laughs> that's uh, the oh, opportunity to remind me. That's why you sent me a text yesterday that was. What can somebody be sad? Hey, 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 um, so there is um, there is an there's an ordinance they call anthropomorphism, mm-hmm. and um, that is ascribing to God the 
attributes of a person mm -hmm. and extending that to mean the limitations that go with the attributes. Okay. So, so I'll, I'll come again. Okay. So anthropomorphism is like saying God has a hand. So if he stretches it, where it reaches is where it will stop. Right. You know, that's anthropomorphism. Yeah. So God has ears. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it means that if plenty of people are talking, it will, he will find difficulty right. who is talking, who is, you know, that's anthropomorphism. Or uh, the Lord is sitting uh -huh, in the heavens. So uh, the seat on which he's sitting must be, you know, <laughs> so because if a man is sitting, the seat must be solid. So, <laughs> so if God is sitting, God so, is sitting then. so anthropomorphism is trying to, because we know God to be a person and we've seen snippets of scripture that yeah. attributes physical qualities like a hand and mm -hmm. all that. And then again, emotional qualities like yeah. the most house, most high shall laugh or Jesus wept or the Lord said, it repented me mm -hmm. that I've created man. So anthropomorphism is a, extending the limitations of physicality yeah. to, God to God because he has some. Okay. Now, when people overstretch this, then they translate the right hand of God to mean its geospatial location, okay. but it is a status. status. It's a status quo rather than a geospatial uh -huh, you know, coordinate. So the right hand of God is power. That's what God says. That's what the scripture says. Yeah. So it, if you read the, the account of Hebrews, in, in the verse one, it says, being... And he, by 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 he had obtained um, a more excellent name by inheritance. And after he has made us kings and priests, he sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. Mm -hmm. So that's Hebrews chapter one. Yeah. God who has sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past um, unto the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, being um, um, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself paired our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So the verse three says, he sat down on the right hand, not of God, the right hand of the majesty on high. So majesty on high is the actual rendition of right hand. Right hand. Uh -huh. So he's sitting at the right hand, which is the majesty on high. Mm -hmm. So it's not a geospatial location. It is a status quo reference. So if you read Hebrews, you see the right hand again, and it's saying the right hand of God. So the right hand of God is the status of majesty oh, on high, after he's made so much better than the angels. So wherever Jesus is sitting now is the right hand. Yeah. Uh -huh. Not that he looked at God and said, your left hand, your right hand, let me sit on, on your right hand. Uh -huh. No, no, no. So then the next point is, when the right hand and the left hand was used, oh. the spatial rendition was judgment. 
So those who were exonerated were the sheep on the right hand. Yeah. And those who were judged were the goats on the left. On the left. So that was not the right hand of God and the left hand of God. Okay. That was God saying right hand and God saying left, left hand. It's not his right hand or his left okay. hand. Uh-huh. So you see. So God saying stand on the right side is not meaning that my right hand. No, no, no. He's using right and left. He's not alluding it to, uh so that's how it is. So the right hand and the left have been mentioned, but it didn't translate um, to mean um, he he has less value for the left. So then uh, for his left hand, no, 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 no. So uh, there's something that (laughs) less hundred people will not go to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) So it cannot be uh-huh. Because both hands received nail prints. Yes. Both feet received nail prints. So grace is ambidextrous. Right hand and left hand. A right <laughs> <Make it forward>. <laughs> <laughs> actually ask that question because there is accounting lecturer that had yeah. you come to the class. <laughs> And when he lectures and he talks, yeah. then he starts saying things. <laughs> Left hand people will not go to heaven. <laughs> I used to get so furious. Like, oh, what is what this one talking about? And I was left handed. Like, yes, I am left hand. I'm a South Pole. Okay. It's nicer to say that I'm a South Pole. Okay. Okay. It's not left handed, South Pole. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, that's it. So I always tell people, both hands receive nail prints. Both feet receive nail prints as pertaining to the Christ. So the blood that flowed from the left, the same blood that flowed from the right. And both on the hands and on the feet. So both, you know, uh, arms and feet uh, are are cleansed. The very last thing I would want. (laughs) So... The left-handed and the right-handed yeah. will go to heaven. Oh, they will all go to yeah. heaven. Yeah. Like, well, well, sometimes there are cultural, um, you know, inclinations. Yeah. But like Jesus yeah. will always say, don't elevate the traditions of yeah. men to mean the commandments yeah. of God. Sometimes in culture, you may do some one or two things. And, you know, you, you go to other cultures and it is the left hand you use to eat more. Eat more. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you go to other cultures too, the left hand is dedicated for everything unclean that is necessary. Yeah. So you have to pick rubbish, do it with your left. You have to do, do it with your left. Yeah. But it's just cultural. Yeah. So both hands are lifted in worship. And that's what Solomon did. That's what Jesus did. And um, so both hands are clean. Even there's a cartoon that says that all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> so if dogs are going to heaven, then <laughs> I'm a human being. So, all right. so the, the, right. the last thing I want us to speak about right. is one of my headaches. Right. Sonship and fatherhood. Mm. There's this man of God that uh, I think two or three years ago, mm-hmm. I asked him a question. Right. And the way he asked, and I was like, okay, if this is what you are saying, right, then my spiritual father is the one who actually introduced me to Christ, mm. natured me in Christ, yeah. and has shown me almost everything, the fundamentals I know in Christ. Right. And he said no. And I said no. Then what are you talking about? Yeah. And from that time, he's not really being nice yeah to me or with me yeah and i want to so what did he say the spiritual father is 
Oh, someone that's um you submit to. What where submission is what? Uh, he, he wasn't ready to <laughs> he wasn't ready. He wasn't actually ready for us to discuss it in yeah. I just saw it as he didn't understand why I was saying that uh, my spiritual father would be my actual father who gave birth to me. You know, like I was, my dad was an elder in the church yeah. of Nancy Force. So he basically took me to church, he yeah. showed me the ways of God, yeah. devotion, reading your Bible, praying in tongues and everything. He was the one who actually prayed yeah. for me to start speaking in tongues right. and everything. Showed me how to fast and all that. Yeah. So if anything, he is my spiritual father. Yeah. Why should I grow up? And because um, I realized, okay, the hand of the Lord is on me. I should look for somebody else yeah. you know, to call a spiritual father yeah. to submit. Yeah. I told him that is wrong. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 no. A whole lot of. So, I mean, it's a lot of the time, it's a, it's a delicate um, ordinance. Mm-hmm. So we will have to. Um, we will we will have to be um, how do I say it uh, measured or liberal with other people's rendition. Okay. That's why I was curious to ask you what did he say, yeah. <laughs> fatherhood is you know because there are many um, things. So for me, fatherhood is is delicate. The Lord has sanctioned it, and we need to know exactly what the Bible says, and then. Where we get it wrong, we correct. Where they get it wrong, we correct. And then we get a balance. So, number one, when a man is not born again, the Bible calls him a bastard Uh because it says, for if ye be without chastisement, whereof all men are partakers, Uh then are ye bastards and not sons. Good. So, God is telling his children, that if you are not under me, you're fatherless and you are at enmity with me and I'm against you. So at salvation, the man who preaches to you and brings the word of the Lord, when you are born again, at that moment, when you are born again, the man who brought the message to you by which you became born again is not yet your spiritual father. Okay. That's, that's fundamental. When the man brings the word of the Lord to you and God comes and saves you and convicts you and you become born again, at that point, God becomes your father because you were a bastard. Yeah. Good. That's fundamental mm-hmm. because if a drunkard becomes born again today, and he goes to preach the gospel to his fellow drunkard and the Holy Spirit convicts that person and the person comes to know Christ. This new novice can't father that that, that, that person because he doesn't know. Fatherhood is not to consummate salvation. It is to consummate maturity Maturity. uh, because no matter how a man can train you, he can't save you. Uh So fatherhood is not a case of salvation. It's a case of maturity. So when a man brings the gospel to you, at that point, he is not your spiritual father. Mm -hmm. He has introduced you to God for God to become your father. But then if God gives him the womb 
through which you mature. That is the seed of fatherhood. It is. Good. So the seed of fatherhood is maturity in the ways of the Christ. People have turned it into gifts, impartations, displays of anointings and all that. But none of these things hold in the eyes of God. So like you're saying, I wouldn't say when your father maybe took you to church and um, 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 got you saved, he was your spiritual father. But he did more than that. Uh The begetting process with the gospel, he performed it. He did it. And I don't see why somebody would want to take over from him. Like, to do what? To do what? That, that's, that's, the, that's the problem. So it's for maturity. So it's F-A-T-H-E-R, a figure anointed to train you so you can handle eternal realities. Eternal Matters beyond here. Because Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. More abundantly. Or then, whosoever believeth in me should not perish, but have everlasting. So the goal of this gospel is eternal. It's nothing got to do with here. So fatherhood is for the ultimate consummation of that eternal realm of maturity. So now, if a man begets you and he's shown you the secrets of righteousness, through him, all the promises in the Bible, to significant degrees you are seeing it you are growing in it and god has given him the womb and his spirit rests on you through this man's ministry he's your father if you you may desire another man's gift that's okay but you shouldn't deny fatherhood and go and give the honor of a father to an instructor just because he's doing well. And this is where people get it wrong. They feel every spiritual father must be a pulpit minister. But where in the Bible does it say you only father people when you are the the bishop of a congregation? Was Mordecai a preacher? Nope. But he fathered Esther. Yeah. And to the point that the girl became a national liberator. How many of our fathers have been able to father a young girl to liberate a nation? And yet they are making noise in the pulpit. So it's not supposed to be some form of applause, some form of elaborate routines and rigid gimmicks. We don't need it. It is for the apprehension of eternal matters and maturing through the ranks and promises of salvation. So if I got blessed, and the Lord gave me a godly man of God as a father. And he took me through those ranks. What makes you think that he's not my spiritual father? And I must necessarily go and look for somebody who is more popular. For, and then they ask, and then and then when this, then that's when they start to say, submit to submit. where submit what are the principal principles of, submission. of submitting to somebody? What does it entail? But what does it entail? A man that doesn't even know where you stay, doesn't know how you talk, doesn't can't observe you to correct. The Bible says the law is a lamp. Uh, the, the commandment is a lamp. The law is light. And reproof of instructions are the way of life. Yeah. A man is fathering you and is not there to witness your mistakes and forbid it. And you say he's fathering you. 
by what dynamics do you say he's fathering you? Uh, he's not. He can't even know your faults and oh. deal with them. And you say he's fathering you. Paul was never with remote, um, comfortable with remote fathering. Okay. Even with the apostolic epistles that had precision to be scripture, he said, "After the epistle, I am coming." Then you tell Barnabas, can we go and visit all the churches, all the churches. that we have planted? Yeah. Even Paul, he was not, because sometimes he would write, he said, I fear that by now when I come, some people have crept in. <laughs> that means fatherhood is first-hand knowledge of your frailties yeah. and first-hand correction of those frailties. Yeah. 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 Now people are sending money across continents and claiming to be funded by whatever they get results and they sell the next generation. Yeah. So we are celebrating many things. Look at the children we are raising in church now. But nobody wants to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Look at a lot of the children, the sons and daughters of the big ministers who say they are fathering and do. There's, there's always a, there's always <laughs> a problem. A, a problem because we have a very superficial view of fatherhood. So for me, I always tell the people, fatherhood is for maturity. Mm -hmm. Number two, it is predicated on the manner of your life, not the manner of your preaching. You don't father men based on what based you on preach. What you, you father men based on what you live. Okay. That can become an example to them. Yeah. So you don't follow a man who is anointed mm. to father you. Mm. You follow a man who is matured to father you because the anointing performs. The personality and the lifestyle takes a form. Takes a form. It is two different things. Yeah. So the anointing can perform and pass the test while immaturity can take a form and fail you and make a shipwreck of your faith. So me, I don't submit to a man because of what he's anointed to do. If I relate to him on the level of an instructor, then I'm going for what is on his life. If I'm related to him as a father, he is what I am copying. He is my Jesus, the, the, the replica of my Jesus, the best, the best practical replica of my Jesus. I want his lifestyle more than his preaching unction. Because mm. mm. nobody is entering heaven because of what because they preached or what they demonstrated. Many will cast out devils in my name. They will do miracles in my name. And that day I will tell them, I, know I, knew, I, I never knew you. Yeah. So... You don't submit to a man because he's built a hundred thousand seater in one year. Mm. No, those are the exploits of the faith. We don't submit to exploits. We submit to transformed souls. So Paul told Timothy, for thou hast known my manner of life, my afflictions, persecutions, which befell me at Lystra, at Iconium. What manner of persecutions but yea, the Lord delivered me from, from them all. And everyone that will follow the Lord shall suffer persecution. But continue thou thereof in the things which thou hast learned, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. It means I am not just your lecturer. After the lectures, I am the lecturer. So Paul says, Timothy, continue what you have learned on the authority of who taught you yeah. what you have learned. It means the real lesson was my life. All this system of fatherhood, of staying in obscurity, doing what you want, sending your tithe consistently, and uh, coming around to sow seeds is not fatherhood. It is 
The few things of honoring that can become a vehicle for which impartations can be done. That is not what scripture calls fatherhood. Fatherhood is on the authority of maturity. I have worked with God and he has taken me from frailty to strength. That's why I want to transfer that maturity to you. By what? Training. So follow me as I follow the Lord. It is not display of gifts and anointings. So your father for years mentored you. Every mature doctrine you know is from this man. Yeah. You spoke under the Holy Ghost from him. You learned the, the, the hardest questions in life. If you will be able to answer them, most likely it is because of what he told you or what you saw him do. Yeah. And somebody still wants to say he is your father and not this man. <laughs> because what you, come on, come on. So, where's, so, where's so that's it. I always tell people they're very delicate. I don't know how. I don't know everything. I'm not saying I'm the arbiter of revelation when it comes to, you know, straight of fatherhood and sonship. But I tell people, be genuine. There are men that will come into your life at a certain point. They will come with genuine authority as instructors. Mm -hmm. And those people, they operate almost like your father because they are really sent by God. Yeah. So they will do everything. But Mordecai was not on the pulpit mm -hmm. and yet he fathered the lady until she became a national yeah, deliverer. Yeah. Yeah. That was all. So I leave that with a tf <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Wow, well, what a wonderful session we've had right. with you today. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll do it again. <laughs> definitely. Uh, definitely, we'll do it again. But thank you so much <laughs> this evening. It's been wonderful. For, for having time for us, mm. trying to answer all my um, my small, small question. <laughs> I, I did the best. <laughs> Apostle, thank you so much. God thank bless you, so you. God bless you. God bless you. So, guys, thank you all for staying tuned with us. This is the Museum Series, and we'll come your way once again with another interactive. Uh, is it interactive or interactive? Interactive, interactive Museum with Apostle again. Yeah. Stay tuned. Or cheers. 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 Yeah. yeah.